Jets aren't giving up on Zach Wilson after giving up on Zach Wilson. This is Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. That's how you find us. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh, we are in this time slot each and every single day with you, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. We appreciate all of your support, you tuning in every day and rocking with us. The New York Jets, apparently, Joe, are rocking with Zach Wilson because according to head coach Robert Sala, it ain't over yet for the former number two overall pick. Here is the coach. Uh, Zach has got all the talent in the world, and we have all the confidence in the world in him. It's just like I said from this reset, and we're, we're gonna we're gonna grind with him. We are, and uh, and through hell or high water, we're gonna figure out how to how to get him to where we know he can be. Through hell and high water, that was the strongest endorsement I have heard from Robert Sala as it regards. Zach Wilson. Now, Zach will not be playing this weekend against the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins have to win that game. Uh, he is apparently going to, you know, not have to be available whatsoever. The Jets have nothing left to play for, so not surprising, even if things had gotten better this season, frankly, for the, the Zach, Zach Wilson tenure with the New York Jets. Things did not go well, though, because of all the drama this season, because of playing him, benching him, playing him, benching, having him in street clothes. It's interesting to me that Robert Sala is now saying through hell and high water, I'm not giving up on this guy that, frankly, Joe, they already gave up on. What a load of crap. <laughs> And I love Sala. I'm a big Sala fan. I covered him when I was in the Bay Area. Love Robert Sala. But what a load of crap. So you're going to stick with him through hell or high water. You got a game this weekend against Miami. Throw him out there. Why aren't you playing him? That kid needs one thing more than anything else. Playing time. If he's going to develop, if he's going to get any better, it's not going to come from sitting on the sidelines or being inactive watching the game from the booth. He's got to be out there taking reps. If you were invested in him, in his future, and in developing him, he would be playing this game. Salah is on the on the dais saying what he needs to say for a couple of reasons. Number one, you can't come out and say at this point in time, he's not our guy, we plan on trading him, because your trade value goes kaput. So you have to sit there and you have to do the BS song and dance to try to convince people that, hey, you know, he might really be in our future. We don't really like the offers we're hearing. Call us with something better. But the reality of the situation is Washington is trotting Sam Howell out there this weekend because they want to see what they've got. Okay, the Raiders are shutting down Derek Carr because they don't want him getting hurt because they want to move him this offseason. The Jets are not playing Zach Wilson. They don't want him getting hurt. He's not in their future plans. If he was, he would be playing. Plain and simple. I can't see any other reason why you'd be sitting him right now. He is a healthy scratch this week. Now, the Raiders <laughs> yeah. don't want to play Derek healthy Carr. Healthy scratch, huh? Healthy scratch. Uh, the, the Raiders don't want to play Derek Carr because they also don't want to be on the hook for $40 million guaranteed if he gets injured. Uh, so they, they have they have a lot of reasons there, I guess, to not play Derek Carr. It feels like his tenure in Las Vegas is over. I'm actually one who doesn't necessarily think that Sala is lying in terms of his tenure not being over with the New York Jets. Now, I think the only way you can fix this, the only way, though, is if you are committed to bringing in a vet, frankly, that maybe you can 
can have Wilson to take a back seat to for some period of time and try to learn from, and then could you give Zach Wilson an opportunity down the road? It is very hard to move on from your number two overall pick, especially a number two overall pick that you bumbled this entire situation with him, so you have made it obvious to the entire country that you don't believe in him. So why is anybody else going to believe in him or give you anything for him? And that's what's remarkable about this to me. I have carved out some weird lanes here and during my career on sports radio. And for some reason, you're the only one. Cause I've always played it straight. And most other sports talk people do too. So oh that's yes, on of you. course, of course, of course. For some reason I ended up uh, down this lane of just being the one person on ESPN platforms that was just screaming from the mountaintops that they should have never benched Zach Wilson because they benched him because of a one word answer. Let's be real. Zach Wilson said the word no. And the entire season for the New York Jets got derailed. It was stupid. The person who should have made better decisions was Robert Sala. Because look at you now. What did all of this get you? Nothing. It got you nowhere. It got you sitting on the outside watching the postseason like you and me. And I'm not saying that if Zach Wilson had been starting the rest of the regular season, that they would have been in a different position in terms of the postseason. He was a winning, by the way, even though he was bad. He was winning. But even if he was losing out and not putting up any sort of numbers other than what we saw from him in the snippets that we saw down the stretch you still would have seen stuff from him. You would have given him more of an opportunity. You would have had more time to evaluate him, and maybe he would have given you some moments that you could hang your hat on and say, hey, there's potential there, or other teams could have said, hey, there's potential there if you're trying to trade away Zach Wilson. Instead, you have him in street clothes, which he's not learning anything in street clothes, like you mentioned. He's not impressing anybody in street clothes, and he's not proven anything to you in street clothes. And why did you do that? Because you thought Mike White was the answer and then we found out Mike White was very much not the answer and so now the New York Jets are in the situation that they're in every single season and now they're going to be watching a postseason from their couch and they still don't know what they have frankly in their number two overall pick so for those of you driving around listening to us right now and scoring at home this is my second day working with Amber this is your second day listening to Amber Yesterday's take was that she hates the Green Bay Packers. Today's take is that she loves Zach Wilson. It is just a weird lanes I've carved out for myself. U- unique hills to die on. It unique really? hills to die on. I think Custer would look at that and be like, damn, Amber Wilson, why are you up on those hills? Yeah, weird flex, huh? Weird flex. <laughs> Don't know how I got here, guys, but I was right. I mean, I was right. You can't tell me at this point that I was not right this whole time. This whole situation has been completely bumbled by the New York Jets. It got them nowhere going with Mike White. It would have been better if they had just stuck with Zach the whole way. At least we'd know or have a better idea, Joe, if he's not got any hope of being a starting quarterback in the National Football League. I mean, a counterpoint to that, and it's hard to argue, but a counterpoint to that is at 5-2, and the Jets knew it was too good to be true. They had to fail. They had to. They, they They weren't sure how, but that's what the New York Jets do. That's what we know them for. The New York Jets are second fiddle in New York City, and their entire history is based on one and two things. Number one is Joe Namath, and then number two is failure. That That's New York Jets football. That's it. Sorry, Bart Scott. Sorry to everybody else out there. That's what it is. And Jets fans know I'm right. 
They know what I'm talking about because they have to suffer through it. They got a 5-2 and two start to the season and everything looked great, and then they bumbled everything. And even after they bumbled everything, they were still in Seattle last week with an opportunity to continue pushing for a playoff berth. And what they score? Six points against the Seahawks, who really aren't that great. They're not terrible, but the Seahawks are not great. It's not like rolling in to play the Niners or the Chiefs right now. It's the Seahawks. They didn't even bother showing up. I wonder if they even bother showing up for this Miami game. Here's the crazy thing about this. The Dolphins at one point were a three-point favorite in this game. They're at home to play the Jets. Their playoff lives are on the line. The Jets have nothing to play for. The news comes out. Teddy B's not going to play. Skylar Thompson's in. The the Jets are now one-and-a-half-point road favorites in Miami in a game they couldn't care less about. It's so depressing. I mean, the only thing the Jets are playing for this weekend is to ruin the season for their division rivals, right? I mean, I don't know if they're going to get up for that. They didn't get up for their own postseason berth. No. <laughs> so are You're they a Dolphins get up fan. For... How do you feel about this game? Do you think the Jets are going to come in with Mike White and ruin your season? I don't feel good about it because, again, it's <laughs> Skylar Thompson being backed up by Mike Glennon. Like, no, I do not feel good about this game, even though we are playing the New York Jets. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive commercial insurance can protect your small business with over 30 coverage options and easy-to-use mobile app, personalized discounts and more get a quote in as little as six minutes at progressivecommercial.com discounts and coverage selections not available in all states or situations the jets got way too excited about that defense that defense is something for the new york it's jets. a good they do have something there but it put them ahead of schedule and they made poor decisions down the stretch coming up next would you be more scared of brady or rogers in the playoffs we will get into that joe and amber espn radio and listen to us on the espn app With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers, thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. 
Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. It is time now on Joe and Amber to do a little game that we like to call Sound On, Sound Off. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound On, Sound Off with Joe and Amber. There's been a lot of fallout for Kayvon Thibodeau's Snow Angel celebration as he laid next to an injured Nick Foles. The quarterback was injured. He was laying on the field. Thibodeau was making snow angels on the ground. Then, as Foles was being carted off the field on the sidelines, Thibodeau did the sleep sign with his hands. An ugly look there for Kayvon Thibodeau. There's been a lot of reaction. Let's hear from Jeff Saturday, the Colts interim head coach. Your own lineman had maybe done a little bit more in that moment to either protect Nick or get him off or just what are your thoughts of that whole situation yeah tasteless uh from the from the celebration afterwards just you know trash not a fan of it at all and uh yeah disappointed from the O-line perspective or and for teammates in general we protect our own man we I mean y'all know me man I've, I've been here a long time so you know I'm not I'm I'm, I'm just gonna tread lightly I, obviously I didn't like it at all Here's Kayvon Thibodeau, the Giants' defensive end, responding to Jeff Saturday's comments. Who, that's what I'm saying, who's the gatekeeper of when to do something? So once we figure out who the gatekeeper is, then we can write the rules and then we can establish, you know, the narratives and things like that. But until, you know, you guys actually are in the sport and do it and be in that moment, you can't create a narrative on it, you know? Well, we're not creating a narrative on it. The guy, the other team's coach had a problem, and he's the guy who played the game. The other team's players had a problem with it. No, I just don't know who, like, anybody who commented on it, unless I know who they are, doesn't really affect me. That's it. Okay, Kayvon. Kayvon, buddy. Like, you just showed up, boss. Like, I understand you come into the league, big fancy pick, all that. Like, you just got here, Rook. What are we doing? You don't know who Jeff Saturday is? Not only is he coaching on the sideline that you're staring across at, but also that man played in the league forever. I'm going to need you to learn a little NFL history and do better in those moments. I think he's just kind of doubling down on the fact that he's getting attacked a little bit. When you see it as a fan, what happened on the field, it looks horrible. But if you're him and you're laying there, you don't see what's happening next to you. So he's kind of doing the celebration. Foles is down, but he doesn't see Foles like we do. So I think if he were aware of what was happening, he probably would have stopped. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I also want to believe that one of the players from the Giants who did see what was happening to Foles would have reached out and been like, hey, man, let me pick you up. It doesn't look good right now. But the whole thing with not knowing Jeff Saturday, I mean, I, I think a lot of us get surprised when we hear players talk about how they don't know the names of greats and, and guys who played back in the day. Well, I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau was like, what, 12 the last time Jeff Saturday played? It doesn't surprise me if he's not paying attention That's fine, to the other team's coaches. Jeff Saturday, was, first of all, was on his television 
television sets for the last however many years that you were watching the game. Let's be real with all of us here. But also, Kayvon, like, he's coaching. He's the coach. You know who the coach is on the other team. And you probably know, frankly, if that dude played in the league. You and I know Jeff Saturday played in the league, and we don't play in the league. It seems pretty unreasonable, even if, yes, you're 22 years old. I don't think youth is an excuse here. I would give him the benefit of the doubt, maybe, Joe, if he hadn't done the sleep hands as he's being as he's being carted off the field like that, that to part me was the problem yeah was the more egregious portion of this when he's essentially doubling down he's doubling down now I, i'm just seeing a lot of immaturity all around the place uh, uh do better cave dan campbell he coaches a team called the detroit lions he always gives us excellent sound bites we heard a lot of them on hard knocks here's another one he's being asked about the lions being in playoff contention you know, there again, we just stayed the course, you know. I mean, that was, like, we came into the year, and that's that's where we were at. And, uh, you know, we hit a rough spot. We stayed with it, and then here we are. I mean, I, I just think more than anything, it's, um, I don't know what it says. I'm just rambling right now. <laughs> I don't know. I just know for us it means something that we, we uh, climbed back out of the, the cellar and, and got ourselves uh, in position to, to play for one more meaningful game here before the year ends, man. And uh, that's a step in the right direction. Dan Campbell's normally a dynamic personality. I feel like it, like we're taking a little far with the courtesy laughs from the media there. It wasn't that funny. I mean, he's not biting off kneecaps. It wasn't that great of a sound bite, Joe. He's been likable since the day he came in. He was quirky, but then he got on hard knocks he got an opportunity to showcase himself a little bit more to the world, and it turns out he really is that guy. So he becomes a little bit more popular. Detroit starts slow, but for the second season in a row, they're closing really strong. I do feel bad for them. I think I feel awful for the situation they're in this weekend, considering that if Seattle beats the Rams earlier in the day, they're playing the Packers at night for absolutely nothing. That game should mean something. That's on the schedule makers for dropping the ball there. Let's stick with the head coach theme here. Nick Sirianni, he is the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. He was on Sports Radio 94 WIP. He was asked about the status of Jalen Hurts as they head into a game against the Giants that will determine the one seed in the NFC. It just goes back to Jalen being healthy enough to play, right? Every game's big. I mean, shoot, the last two games were, were big too, but Jalen wasn't quite there yet to be ready to play. If Jalen's ready to play health-wise, then we'll play him. That will always, always be my first requirement is if the player is healthy enough to play and we don't put him at risk to, to put his body in danger just because we perceive it as a must-win. I keep saying the only thing more important though than getting the one seed is having a healthy Jalen Hurts in the postseason well what's the situation in terms of how he defines healthy at this time of year all we hear about is everyone's banged up everybody's dealing with something this time of year so what's his definition for health if he can coach them up which is something he was completely incapable of doing last week against New Orleans then yeah maybe you turn to Gardner Minshew and you keep Jalen Hurts rested for another week but Sirianni dropped the ball in a big way last week his team was not ready to play they got marched on the entire first half and then the quarterback wasn't able to make any plays he looked 
shook back there, Gardner Minshew. Absolutely shook. That's on Sirianni. They weren't ready to play from the start of the game. The quarterback was nowhere close to being ready to play throughout the duration of the game. Yeah, he looked a lot more shook against that Saints D than he did against the Cowboys the week before, which was strange. Keyshawn Johnson, you just heard him here on Joe and Amber. If you missed that, you can check out the podcast on the ESPN app. He also hosts a show called KJM. He was asked, would you rather... Not play Rodgers than Tom Brady? Is it Roger? another Rodgers and Brady debate here for the postseason? Here's Keyshawn. I'd rather not play against Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is smoking hot right now. He, he's got into a rhythm with his receivers. They seem to be coming to the party to play for him now. The defense has turned around to some degree. They're running the ball when they need to run the ball. And Matt LaFleur is not calling plays that make you scratch your head. Special teams and Keyshawn Nixon is balling and putting them in great positions on the field in terms of field position on kickoffs. So everything is kind of hitting for them right now as opposed to Tampa Bay, which is still scratching and clawing and clunking along i don't know it felt like it was hitting last week for the tampa bay bucks with the vintage numbers that tom brady put up i would say this i'm not really afraid of either team i don't think anybody's doing anything in the playoffs from either squad but i would pick the opportunity to play against brady before rogers because tampa bay is a mess if their division was any good at all any good at all we wouldn't even be talking with them they would have been eliminated a while ago I would definitely go with Tom Brady here. I mean, the record of success in the postseason from Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers alone. Last week, though, 432 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions for old Tom when he feels like doing it. That man can still do it at 45 years old. I'll never bet uh, bet against the greatest to ever do it. Coming up next, are the Ravens fed up with Lamar Jackson? We'll talk about it. This is Joe and Amber at ESPN Radio. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. Joe and Amber, which you will be listening to every single day, Monday through Friday. Mark it on your calendar, 7 to 9 Eastern. You got plans. Every single evening, you are rocking with Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh. You can give him a follow on Twitter, at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can give me a follow as well, at Amber W Sports. And Joe, Baltimore Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson, missed his 13th straight practice today, back on December 4th was when Lamar left that game against the Denver Broncos early in the second quarter with a knee injury. He was ruled out at that time. Harbaugh told us that he was day-to-day. That's how they were going to take it. Well, day-to-day has meant no Lamar because we are a month later now at this point, and Lamar Jackson is still not out there playing football. For the latest, let's turn to sound from Ravens head coach John Harbaugh being asked about Lamar's health status. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an expectation until I hear more. Would you like to see him at least for a week? In practice? I'm not saying he would play against Cincinnati, but at least get a full week of practice before the, the postseason. Of course. Of course. Absolutely. 
Strange situation. In week 18, they are supposed to be playing the Cincinnati Bengals this week. It appears that Lamar Jackson will not be playing under center in that game. Have we seen Lamar Jackson play his last game as a Baltimore Raven, Joe Fortenbaugh? I'm trying to figure out what Harbaugh meant early on when he mentioned the fact that Jackson was day-to-day coming off the Denver game. Right? Like, was he right about that? Was it gamesmanship? Because obviously with something like a PCL sprain, which is what he's dealing with, maybe you don't want to give the word to the opposition. Maybe you don't want to let them know they're preparing for Tyler Huntley. Maybe you want them focused on Jackson. And it create could create some sort of maybe slight strategic advantage going into the weekend. Maybe. But now this continues to wear on. And there were an in- there's an injury concern last year. There's an injury concern this year. You know, I don't know. You're going to have conspiracy theorists who are going to rise up and say, maybe he's good enough to go, but you haven't taken care of the guy. You haven't paid him. So maybe he doesn't feel like he should rush back. Maybe he should protect himself. He should stay healthy. And then hopefully this offseason, find a way to another team. But if that would be the case, the only person you can blame is the Baltimore Ravens because they've had every opportunity to make this guy a franchise paid guy and they haven't done it. Now, that's the conspiracy theorist angle. The less sexy approach is that he is just hurt and we're not going to see him on the field. Well, and then the other side of this is if you wanted to, I guess, play devil's advocate. I mean, the reports have been out there that the Ravens were willing to pay him, just not willing to pay him what he thinks that he commands coming off of that Deshaun Watson contract, which right now still remains to be the outlier in the NFL. But Lamar Jackson thinks that, hey, it should be more like the inlier and let's go ahead moving forward. If you believe the reports, it's hard to know what to believe. We've never seen a situation like this where a quarterback of his caliber just keeps it moving in a fifth year with no contract. And the reason we don't see it is because of the risk of injury and everything you're risking moving forward. Now, some of it, Joe's a little overstated. Like we still saw Dak Prescott get a monster contract coming off of an injury. When you've proven yourself in the league at that position, because it's so coveted, you would have to have some sort of career altering injury. I think, frankly, for you not to be worth something significant on a market. However, That's the concern, I would imagine, of any of these players. What happens to my body? But then also, not just it's this one injury, and so now they're not going to pay me, but is Lamar starting to get the reputation the last couple years of being oft injured? Are are there durability concerns because of how he plays the game in part? And he spent certainly a large portion of last season injured as well. And is that one of the reasons the Ravens don't want to step up and pay him what apparently he's asking to be paid? So there's a lot to this story. I don't think Lamar's time with the Ravens is over. But I don't think it's over because I think he's too good and you franchise tag him. That's why I don't think it's over because I don't feel like Lamar is in control here. I feel like that the Ravens just tagged the man. If you're Lamar, it's a slap in the face to see the Kyler Murray contract first and foremost because Murray has done nothing compared to what Lamar Jackson has done and Murray got the bag and then proceeded to go out having substandard season and then got hurt and that team is going to completely flame out and have to go through a rebuild probably through the front office and the coaching staff. With Lamar... I wonder how much of this is his own doing in that he doesn't actually have an agent representing him. It's him and his mom. And that's not to knock him and his mom. But if you don't have the experience negotiating these contracts, if you don't understand what the market offers, what the market values, if you don't understand how the Ravens operate and do their business, because a lot of teams operate very differently with how they front load or back load contracts, with how they guarantee certain portions of the contracts. If you don't understand that and you're in there wheeling and dealing with them, and you're on a completely different playing field than they are, it's going to be hard for them to find a middle ground with you. 
Now, I'm not saying that's the case, but you always have to wonder the fact that he doesn't have a traditional agent handling his business and advising him on how this could go, what that's done to his career and what that's done to these negotiations so far up until this point. I mean, preach, because I've been out here saying this for months and months and months. Now, that's also the lawyer in me. And it's uh, as, um, as a lawyer, I think part of me maybe overestimates the value of a third party, an independent party handling those negotiations. But the truth is there is value in it for that exact reason. It is an independent party. And the whole purpose of that is that there's a buffer between Lamar and the team. If it's your mother and you, there ain't no buffer. That's just emotion. And so when you take the emotion out of negotiation, negotiation tends to go better. In other words, an agent can sit in that room there with the ownership and with the president of the Baltimore Ravens and have a conversation about, hey, here are our concerns with Lamar. You know, X, Y, Z, as great as he is, you know, whatever our issues are with Lamar, maybe even some that you and I don't know about behind the scenes, that conversation is very hard to have directly with the player. Like, that ain't pretty. That's not going to go well. Or with his mother, frankly. It's not the same. It's not going to go well. And so that's why normally an independent third party handles that kind of stuff. In addition to everything you just mentioned, knowing the market better, knowing where other negotiations are going kind of on the low, getting the word around, having the relationship with the team from other negotiations, knowing how each individual front office best operates, how best to approach each individual front office with that situation. Damian Woody, he is ESPN's NFL analyst. He was on Get Up. He is emphatic that Lamar, though, should stay on the sidelines. I'm Lamar Jackson. I'm not stepping back on that field unless I am 100 mm-hmm. percent because it, you know everyone will talk about Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott got paid after that, but Dak Prescott's game isn't Lamar Jackson's game. Mm-hmm. Like everything is built around Lamar Jackson and his style of play, and his legs are so much a part of his game. I'm not I'm not messing up my bag because you you know you putting up a hissy fit in a press conference trying to get me back out there to play. No sir. That's fine, but I also wonder if you're messing up the bag by not playing some as well. Like it, I guess it depends again what's being said behind the scenes amongst these parties because otherwise if you're giving the appearance that you have durability concerns or maybe the way you play the game is dangerous and therefore they shouldn't be paying you hundreds of millions of dollars in guaranteed money. I mean, that's part of the conversation here. Let's go through it. Jets, Titans, Raiders, Colts, Texans moving to the NFC. Um, The Rams are going to have Stafford coming back, but who knows for how long. The Atlanta Falcons, the Carolina Panthers, the New Orleans Saints, the Washington Commanders, these are all teams that need quarterbacks. If Lamar Jackson's available, that option is vastly superior to almost any other option. You can try to make the Derek Carr case or the Jimmy Garoppolo case. Fine. Those guys are serviceable. They can probably, in the right situation, win some games. But those teams I mentioned, some of those teams have been desperate for a half-decent quarterback play for a long time. You bring in a guy like him, it alters the franchise. The next question becomes for Baltimore, what's the ceiling? Like, how much more is there in the Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens tenure? Have we seen enough? Because they, to me, feel like a team that's built to win in the regular season, but they're not built to win four consecutive games in the playoffs. It just feels like Jackson's game 
isn't conducive to four straight victories leading to a Super Bowl. That at some point, someone's going to fluster that rushing attack and they're going to need to go to the air and it's not going to work. So if you're Baltimore, you seriously have to consider this, but you shouldn't be surprised. You should have been considering this for a while. It's been a series of pay-as-you-go situations and that's the likelihood in the NFL of getting into a room and figuring out what it's going to look like down the road. You sign a guy to a five-year deal guaranteed, you don't have to worry about these problems. You don't have to worry about these problems. That's true. If you can reach a deal with this guy that you feel like is worthwhile because of those concerns that you just said, the winning in the postseason, what are we really getting out of this? I mean, those are the things that I would imagine the Ravens are considering. It feels like a ludicrous conversation because we're all talking about a quarterback that we all think is great. And so that's where this conversation gets complicated. We're not used to having these conversations. We're just used to these guys getting paid, right? But from the Ravens perspective, they can just tag him. And then they could, by the way, tag him again. And that franchise tag has been used over 30 times in the last two years alone in the NFL. It feels like to me that you don't let a guy that good walk if you can't get a deal done that you end up tagging him. He, he, get pay, he gets paid a boatload of money in the process you know, for, for playing for one year. But then you and I sit here again <laughs> next season and frankly yeah. have this same conversation. And that's the problem with where the Baltimore Ravens might find themselves. Coming up here on Joe and Amber... We want to hear from you. This is your opportunity to get involved in the show. We're going to do a little caller roulette on Joe and Amber. I think we stole that straight from KJZ. It's I'm complete theft. From complete them. theft. Yes. Well, that's fine. It's plagiarism. Well, but I'm citing my source there, so I'm crediting them. I, they don't play. use it. Okay. That show, it doesn't even exist anymore because now it's Max. And so we're going to do some caller roulette here on Joe and Amber. Triple eight, say ESPN, whatever is on your mind, whatever. I mean, it's got to be sports. Like, I I don't really, I'm sorry. I don't really care about your personal problems. Give me some sports, but whatever your sports take is, go ahead and give it to us. We'll take the best phone calls. Let's play a little caller roulette next. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We are going to get to your phone calls because we're about to play a little caller roulette, a segment that we stole straight (laughs) from the show formerly known as KJZ. They used to do it there. I think maybe even they did it a little while on KJM. We stole it. We were plagiarizing it. They don't do it anymore. They gave it up. We're going to do it here on Joe and Amber, obviously. Makes a lot of sense with Joe Fortenbaugh in the house. He is one of our betting analysts here at ESPN. He is a host of Daily Wager. And speaking of that... Why don't we try to make you a little money first before we get to your phone calls? But keep them coming. Triple eight, say ESPN. Let's take it away. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Pizza money bet indicates a small wager bet. It's a bet we like, we don't love. One we would play later tonight. You've got an hour or so before this starts. It's the Miami Heat laying eight and a half over the Los Angeles Lakers. No LeBron James tonight. The Lakers this season, three and five without James. But in those five losses... They're not showing up. And those five losses, they're going down by 13 points per game. I gave Amber grief about this yesterday. Her beloved Miami Heat, what's wrong with them this season? They've turned a corner. They had that bad home loss to the Spurs. They had a bad home loss to the Spurs on December 10th. Since then, 8-3, 6th in the NBA in defensive rating. 
Offensive rating's gotten a lot better in that time as well. So we'll lay the eight and a half with Miami tonight. Great opportunity to keep the train moving down the tracks after a slow start to the season. Been a really disappointing season for my Miami Heat. I did say, though, the last 10 games, things have felt a little bit different. Very helpful. LeBron is not going to be on the other side of things tonight. So I like that one. All right. It is time for Caller Roulette. Triple H, say ESPN. It means you can talk about anything you want in the world of sports. Let's spin the wheel. Nick. Nick is in Cleveland. Nick, what do you have for us? Um, I'm just an angry Browns fan. I feel like the Browns could have 10-11 wins, and uh, part of it's Stefanski's uh, coaching decisions and the horrible decisions of the uh, defensive coordinator, and I'm just an angry Browns fan. I think we should be better. Well, if you're an Ingers Browns fan, you've probably been that way for quite some time. So a feeling that you probably are accustomed to. But this was supposed to be the turnaround, right? And I think, though, Joe, it feels like to me that this is just a throwaway season for the Browns. Like, I feel like we've done very little time. Like, he was just referencing to some of the criticism there that should be given to the coaching staff. That's probably true. I don't feel like we've done any talking about any of that on our airwaves because I think that we just feel like with the Deshaun Watson situation, with the suspension, with what happened there with that quarterback position that they were essentially looking ahead to next season anyways so kind of a throwaway season for this Browns team yeah throwaway season kind of like every season of the last two decades plus since they returned to Cleveland um I think the biggest problem and obviously there are a lot in Cleveland the defense led by Miles Garrett that defense was supposed to be somewhat legit this season they stink they're 18th and scoring 22 points per game in terms of opponent yards per play, they aren't very good. I thought they were going to be able to lean on that defense and then run the ball. And then eventually with Deshaun Watson showing up, he knocks off the rust and they win some games. They haven't been impressive at all on either side of the ball throughout the entire course of the season. Let's spin the wheel again. Dylan. Dylan is in Dallas. Dylan, what do you have for us on caller roulette? Yeah, so I'm a lifelong Cowboys fan, and it's nice to see them doing well this year, but I personally just think Dak Prescott is one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the NFL, and I would love to hear you guys' take on that. I'm not going to end up agreeing with you there, Dylan, uh, but I do think it's funny that this comes from Cowboys fans consistently. It ain't easy being at that position at that franchise when that star is on your helmet at that quarterback position. You are going to live in a world of scrutiny far more so than even most quarterbacks on most teams. I don't think Dak Prescott is Patrick Mahomes, but I actually don't think Dak Prescott is a bad quarterback at all, Joe. I'm an Eagles fan, so I hate the Cowboys. I hate the Cowboys with every every fiber of my being. I can respect certain Cowboy talent. With Prescott, he's got the bag and he's got the spotlight. The thing is, and I'm sure this is why Cowboys fans are frustrated with him, he looks like a deer in headlights late in close, important games. That game against the Niners last year in the playoffs, he looked like a deer in headlights. Late in the Jacksonville game, he was part of that massive crumbling effect where he was turning the ball over like crazy. That's the thing. You're going to pay a guy that much. You want to see him make the big plays 
late in games that can win you playoff matchups. That's what you always knew with Tom Brady. Even now, if the Bucs are down late, but they have the ball for one last possession, he can win it. Rodgers can win it. Mahomes can win it. Allen can win it. The thing with, with Prescott is so often, I think Cowboys fans feel like they can't win it with him, and they wonder if you're going to pay a guy that much money, how come you can't get more wins in those spots? Almost a 70% completion percentage, 22 touchdowns this season, uh, just under 3,000 yards. I mean, he's been battling through injuries this season. And oh, by the way, the Cowboys are in a wide open NFC, but we're going to have to see Dak get it done in the playoffs before really we can have a conversation. That is the expectation, of course, for that Dallas Cowboys team. Let's spin it again. Corey, Corey, that wheel landed on you. Corey is in New York. What do you have for us? The New York Jets to go all in on Lamar Jackson. They got the (laughs) weapons that he needs. They have... Lamar Jackson will have the most talent that he has ever had if he went to the Jets, and they're in a win-now mode. They can make the playoffs with Lamar Jackson. Go all in on Lamar with his wide receivers and backfield. They would be a good team on offense. With that defense and him leading the charge with a power rushing attack, that would be a very tough team to deal with. It would almost be exactly like what he currently has in Baltimore with a great defense and a power rushing attack. Right. Uh, I don't think that there's any way that the Ravens let him walk away to go to that situation. But from the Jets' perspective, yes, of course, you would want Lamar Jackson. I do think the Jets are going to be quarterback shopping. I mean, I would not be surprised if the Jets are in a situation where they're considering like a vet, you know, like maybe like a Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody like that that you're bringing in. Again, I don't think Lamar is going to be an option. If I'm the Jets, of course, I want Lamar. But you bring in a vet to sit in front of Zach Wilson. You still have your number two on that roster. You hope that maybe he can learn a thing or two, get more comfortable in that system, maybe up his trade value, if nothing else, or develop under that veteran presence. I think that's really the only way forward right now for the New York Jets. Let's spin it one last time. Brian is in California. Brian, you got about 30 seconds, bud. What you got for us? Awesome. Well, we're going to keep the conversation in Dallas. Um, kind of piggybacking on the Dak conversation, I kind of want to get you guys' opinion on you know what he's like in the red zone. That's kind of my gripe. But more importantly, I wanted to see what your guys' opinion was on possibly getting Sean Payton as a Dallas, uh, Dallas head coach again. I think that the Sean Payton story is an interesting one because does Payton want that job? Does he want to work under Jerry even though they have a good relationship there, Joe? I mean, what's it take for McCarthy to get fired? What if he wins? What if he takes the team to the NFC Championship game as a three seed? What you're going to fire him? Right. I, I mean, that's that's a huge stretch that we're talking already about that seat being hot. I mean, the seat's been hot for McCarthy the whole time since the but day if he they signed. Have, until if they have success in the playoffs, he ain't going anywhere. Thanks for listening, Joe and Amber. Same time, same place tomorrow. Be there.